Hello and welcome to the next instalment of Mediatel Conversations, a podcast brought to you by Mediatel. Our aim is to bring you the biggest names in the media industry to discuss the most important news topics of the day, as well as allow them to tell their story. This week, the editor of Mediatel News, David Pigeon, sits down with Jatenda Sadev, the author behind the New York Times best-selling book, The Kim Kardashian Principle, to discuss why gaming is the new media channel brands simply cannot afford to ignore. Jatenda, welcome. How are you doing? How's lockdown? Where are you and how are you? <laughs> I am in glorious, sunny Bristol in my family home and um, I'm, I'm loving it. You know, I've got to feel grateful for time here and we're all staying safe and we're all staying inside. So, you know, can't complain. So we're obviously here to discuss gaming today. But before we get into the gaming stuff, let's get to know you a little bit first and explain to those that might not be familiar with what you've done in the past why you've got here and why you're speaking because i would say that you've got as far as you've got because you've been good at reading the moods especially of that sort of post-millennial generation and maybe looking at things just ahead of them becoming much more mainstream particularly the influencer market and so on but could you just give us um, a bit of an update on your cv today so we can understand a bit more about you part of my cv is actually definitely having a crystal ball i actually didn't think i had one And then I started getting convinced by people that I actually did. But um, on a more serious note, um, I started, I was born and raised in the UK, in good old Bristol. I graduated with a few degrees, actually, a couple of degrees in the UK. The first was in medical science and pharmacology. The second was in history because I had such an ambidextrous brain and it just felt like a really natural progression for me to do an MPhil in history after a degree in medical science. And then after that, I decided to go to the United States to um, do my MBA at Harvard Business School. And my whole network, my whole family in the US is all from HBS. So I really prize them. And I feel really fortunate to do that. From a work standpoint, I did work in investment banking. That was my first role. And then I moved into strategy consulting. And then after business school, I decided that I'd done banking, I'd done consulting, I didn't know what else to do. And then I sort of saw this program that um, WPP was running and Sir Martin Sorrell was running it. And that was called the um, MBA Fellowship Program. And it was to work across various different marketing communications companies like Ogilvy and so forth. So I decided to do that. I was lucky enough to get it. And um, the rest, they say, is history. I sort of feel like I found my place in branding and in marketing. So, yeah. And then the book came along. Can you just give us a little bit of um, history about the sort of the crucial insights to the book that you published? So my my book agent reached out to me and had seen my work for quite a while. And apparently he said his wife was a fan. Everyone's wife is always a fan of my work. And he said that, would you be interested in doing a book? So I met him in New York and I was very interested in doing one. My book is called The Kim Kardashian Principle. And essentially, I describe it as part manifesto, part marketing guide. And essentially, the book is about being brave um, to be creative, innovative, and to follow what you want to follow and be who you want to be. And those sorts of universal principles, I feel, apply not only to yourself, but they also apply to organizations and individuals who want to build their own brands and so forth. But ultimately, it is about living your authentic life and authenticity as defined by how you define it, as defined by your standards and not the standards of anybody else. So there's a bit of a link here about the more mysterious world of post-millennials 
and that there's a whole new rule book, I suppose, for brands to perhaps adhere to if they want to reach them. Can we make the link from some of the stuff in your book, perhaps, to this often quite mysterious cohort? Yes, absolutely. Like in the book, there are five sort of five, six different rules of the game, and they're quite counterintuitive. And they apply very much to a younger cohort, to a younger generation that a lot of brands are really struggling to understand because they think very differently. So, for example, there's one rule about striving to be imperfect versus perfection, because today we have a really savvy audience that understands that there's no such thing as being perfect. You know, they've been raised and seeing all sorts of public figures, organizations being exposed as being something different from what they really are. So there's that one area, you know, owning your flaws, owning your imperfections and being honest and open about them. You know, another area is about not only looking at what consumers want and catering to audiences, but also looking at what you want and what you stand for. We know that younger audiences really want to march to their own drumbeat. And, you know, they value living in the present now. They imbue a lot of meaning into material possessions that otherwise wouldn't be considered to be meaningful, whether that be the bag, the coat, the shoes, the rock concert. You know, this isn't just a rock concert. This is my life to millennials and Gen Z. So it's sort of having these sorts of shifts in paradigms that the Kim Kardashian principle calls upon in order to really develop a level of empathy and um, an understanding with a new generation of folk that think and feel very differently. So we're here obviously to discuss gaming. Gaming's now clearly on your radar. Um, Can I get a sense of like, why is your interest peaked in gaming now? Because it's been around for an awful long time. And it'd be useful as well to just get maybe a bit of a market overview from where you stand and, and the angle that you're looking at it from? Well, I've always been interested in the sort of areas where there's a lot of growth that is very much either up and coming or is has very much arrived that people aren't really talking about. So I'm hearing a lot about that with gaming. And it's hard to believe that when it comes to the entertainment industry, the size of the gaming industry coming in at around about $120 billion in global revenue is twice as large as the film and the music industry combined. And yet there's a disproportionate sort of coverage of the film and music industry. We don't hear so much about gaming. So I'm always interested in sort of highlighting the areas of opportunity for individuals, for brands and so forth. So it's sort of a natural progression in many ways. I started playing games in about 1985 on my old Amstrad, which was sort of like a blue and yellow screen playing old games like Pajama Rama. It's clearly come an awful long way since then. But what has really changed more recently to have piqued um, everyone else's interest, especially on the sort of like the branding advertising side? Well, I think there are a few different things. I mean, firstly, I think that, you know, now I think it's fairly, firstly, it's important to say that over 2 billion people are playing games now. And secondly, I think it's also important to clarify that a lot of people who play games don't consider themselves to be gamers. You know, that's not the sort of label that they'll give themselves. So really the audience in gaming has changed from what we thought was a young teenage boy, perhaps like yourself, with your headset on in your bedroom, playing your computer games to now a whole range of different folk, including women, over half of, sorry, half of the people who play mobile games are women. And also the types of games have changed. You know, you get games all the way from your sort of casual puzzle games and the Angry Birds and the sort of very accessible, easy to play. You don't need a lot of time. You can play them on your phone as you're going to work 
all the way through to the sort of the console games that are played by very different people. So I think from a branding standpoint, you know, it's a real missed opportunity if one brands are still seeing games as being that sort of very niche player and not recognizing that actually it's a real diverse audience now. It's sort of like a TV audience in many ways. And secondly, also not recognizing the benefit of gaming from a standpoint of segmentation. You know, there are lots of different games that appeal to different psychographics and different demographics. And that really helps when there's a lot of pressure on brands to deliver an ROI, a return on equity approach to marketing. You know, how much dollar am I investing in and what is the return on that? So segmentation is really important in that. And then once again, gaming is good for that. Are there any guiding principles, do you think, that brands should be adhering to when approaching gaming? Because you've already sort of pointed out that there's probably a, a conception or a misconception that it's about hardcore gamers, it's about teenage boys in their bedrooms with headphones on, but it's clearly a much bigger market than that. And there are many different types of games across many different types of platforms. But what sort of guiding principles should advertisers sort of like take on board as they look at gaming if it is going to be a distinct, separate media channel? I think some brands have not jumped into the gaming space because they see it as being very foreign and alien. And I don't think they understand it. So what I would actually say is that the rules of working with the gaming industry are not much different from any other sort of brand partnership. You know, I think first and foremost, you want to ensure that you're not interrupting the gamer or the consumer. You want to amplify the engagement and experience. You know, you don't want to take away from that. Secondly, you've got to be authentic. You know, you've got to be able to look at what is right for your brand and what the game is about, what the environment is about, and then make sure that it makes sense for your brand to be a part of that. And the third rule is very much to be innovative and to see how you can expand that message across different platforms in order to really enhance the integrity of your brand and gaming partnership. So what are the sort of opportunities here? Because gaming is enormous and, you know, it's just filled with fantasy realms and you can do anything you want. That's the beauty of gaming. You can go and do anything that you want. So what other branding opportunities do you think are like most interesting within that? Well, there are some basic branding opportunities. Obviously, there are the sort of banner ads and so forth. There are opportunities to actually insert your brand into the actual game itself. So if we talk about gaming as a distinct media channel, then how do we start approaching it by adding it to the plan? I mean, what can it really offer to brands and where do they fit it in with all the other things in the marketing mix? Well, I think that a lot of brands have a sort of area for innovative, experiential marketing. In my perspective, gaming fits into that to a degree in order for brands to work out what is working for them, what isn't, and also allowing them to take that risk and not feeling that there's going to be a huge downside. So I do think that gaming fits into the more sort of innovative, experiential spaces in terms of the investment. What is the risk as they approach it now as a new media channel? I'm really up for brands experimenting, trying new things, really trying to embrace a younger audience, which requires them to push themselves out of their comfort zone. So I really do think the risk is no reward. You know, there's, if you don't take a risk, you're not going to get the reward for it. And you need to create these sort of safe spaces for your marketers to actually try different things and see what works and what doesn't. Otherwise, you're going to still continue to struggle to engage a younger cohort. So I really do 
feel that, you know, with the gaming industry growth being at 10% over the last few years, it becoming such a significant part of the entertainment industry, it is a significant an opportunity for brands. And also we have some really strong leaders at the helm of some of the best gaming companies. You know, you have Bobby at Activision, you have Josh Aguado at um, Jam City, you have Dylan Jada at Riot Games. They're all doing sort of, you know, brilliant things with their organizations and the products they're producing. So brands should really be looking into how they can actually work with them as opposed to shying away from the area. And what about the gaming industry itself, behind the scenes in development and production and so on? Are there any risks there as it seeks to evolve and assumedly decides to start taking some money from interested advertiser outsiders? Do you think that the gaming industry has a responsibility to represent the diversity of today's younger generations? And I think that they can certainly represent female diversity better and have better characters for them and cater more towards the female audience, which on a mobile gaming standpoint, as we said earlier, makes up about 50% of the audience. So I do think that that is going to be their one downside. You know, a lot of brands can alienate organizations if they're still stuck in an older version and an older mindset and aren't now embracing this fluidity and this equality and this inclusive sort of mentality Gen Z and even some younger millennials really stand for. And of course, you know, I think a lot of younger audiences also want brands to have opinions on political, social issues, take a stand. If you don't have an opinion, it means you're not speaking up. It doesn't mean audiences don't think you have an opinion. And that's a bad thing for a brand. So be brave and speak out about social issues too because brands really don't have a choice now. Audiences are very values oriented. Over 70% of younger audiences want to connect with brands on a values level. So guess what? You have to show your values now. On that final note, because we're almost out of time, do you have a parting message perhaps to um, brands or the gaming community at large just before we wrap up? You know, I think for some people, gaming is still going to be very new. I think that marketers need to be given the freedom And marketers need to be enabled by leaders to experiment and try new things and see what works and see what doesn't. And I think especially in this new environment where we're seeing so much change with COVID and the lockdown and everything else, gaming is doing very well. A lot of gaming organizations haven't seen people disengage with their brand. So I think it's a really promising place to be. Githenda, thank you so much for joining us. And I hope you get out of lockdown safely and back to LA (laughs) at some point in the future. Thank you, David. Much appreciated. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe for all future episodes as we deliver more MediaTel conversations.